Hello, I'm Matthew Bay, a senior analyst at Stratfor, a Rain company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence analysis. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a Rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. When you think of a military drone, do you think of the big, sleek, silent remote control planes used for intel gathering and bomb runs? What about those tiny drones that individuals use to get aerial pictures or the toys that kids play with? Clearly, drones come in all sizes, but their proliferation has caused major concern across the board. Here to provide guidance is Thomas Abihana, Stratfor's global security analyst. Thomas, thanks so much for being here to set things straight. Thanks for having me, Emily. Earlier this month, the head of Central Command, U.S. Central Command, General McKenzie said that drone proliferation was the most concerning tactical development in the Middle East. What does that mean and why did he say it? So simply put, the the reason that he said it is that there are across the board more drones that are available to the everyday user. Those drones are becoming more sophisticated and uh, the expertise of people across the board being able to use those drones has also increased. Uh, So you have more governments that are investing in drone technology. Uh, Big examples of this are the the U.S., China, Russia, and then if you're looking at the Middle East, uh, Iran and Turkey are two countries that have invested a lot in their drone technology. And you also have private companies themselves that are producing more sophisticated drones for a wide variety of commercial purposes. We're talking Uh, about smaller sized drones, correct? These can range from tiny little drones that are the size of a laptop computer to, if you're talking about the the types of drones that the U.S. and China are deploying, those can be almost the size of a plane. The concern is whenever you have a a non-state actor, like a militant group, um, that gets a hold of these drones, and a lot of times these are smaller size drones, as we've seen with literally every other piece of technology that's ever uh, existed, these militant and terrorist groups can take these drones and use them for their own destructive ends. And these militant groups are getting access to drones through a growing variety of different ways. Sometimes they get them directly from state actors. Uh, So you have examples of Iran providing um, its non-state-supported militias in the Middle East with drones. Uh, sometimes these militant groups seize drones in battlefield scenarios. Uh, sometimes they purchase commercially available drones um, through regular means that uh, basically anyone can get. Uh, and then other times you have them uh, acquiring them through illicit trafficking networks. Uh, so the more drones that are out there, uh, unfortunately, the more um, the more of a threat that they can pose, which is a big reason why uh, the head of Central Command brought the drone proliferation up as the most concerning tactical threat. Well, what kind of impact have drones had so far in the Middle East? Uh, so from if you're looking at non-state actors, which is uh, primarily the, the lens through which we're looking at this here, uh, I already brought up one uh, Iranian proxies uh, using have used drones um, in attacks uh, against Saudi Arabia, actually. The primary example we have 
are the Houthis, which are a Yemeni-based rebel group that have gotten support from Iran. And they've used drones with increasing proficiency and accuracy over the last several years. And they've launched actually hundreds of drone attacks against Saudi Arabia. The vast majority of these have been aimed at the southwestern area of Saudi Arabia, so near the Yemeni border. And just because of geographic proximity, that's where they launched most of them. Uh, Actually, on February 10th, there was an attack on Abha International Airport in Saudi Arabia. um, And you had a drone fly into a, a grounded plane, actually and cause a fire there at the airport. And they've also launched drone attacks as far as, as Riyadh and Jeddah, which are hundreds of miles away from the Yemeni border. It's not just uh, the Houthis that are doing this. You also have al-Qaeda-linked jihadist groups in Syria uh, that have used drones to attack Russian and Syrian military bases. Uh, in some cases, they use swarms of drones, little miniaturized drones. And if you send them in swarms, it's more difficult for uh, defense systems to, to intercept. And the, these Al-Qaeda-linked groups have used them um, to attack those bases. Uh, and then actually in Afghanistan, you've actually had the Taliban, a, another non-state group, um, increasingly use drones. And they've gotten these um, both from uh, within Afghanistan itself uh, and then also from some external support as well. And they use, they've used those to uh, both conduct attacks against military forces, Afghan military forces, but also uh, to conduct surveillance. Thomas, clearly this is a big issue for the United States, but how are terrorist groups themselves and even governments in the Middle East going to respond to the trend of more drones going forward? So simply put, militant groups are going to try to exploit the uh, proliferation of this technology to their own ends. The more drones that are available, you're going to have more attacks using drones in these battle spaces, whether it's a Yemen or a Syria, or potentially, and as we've seen in the past, there's the potential for these groups to launch drones from within battle spaces into civilian areas. So these types of drones, the uh, more sophisticated they get, you can launch them over longer distances and use them to strike targets with more accuracy, which is a concern for the governments. You're also going to have a potential for an expansion of attacks against more uh, novel targets. So you could have the potential of these drones being used to uh, potentially hit airplanes that are in flight or hit naval vessels that are transiting uh, shipping routes. So these groups are going to look to launch more spectacular attacks. And the way that you get more attention is to strike different targets to generate headlines. And then beyond these militant groups themselves, you're also going to have a risk for grassroots militants, what we call grassroots militants. So, um, Some people call these lone wolf militants, uh, people who are inspired by a group's ideology, but don't necessarily have a connection to the group. And so they can uh, take drones commercially available and use them to try to conduct attacks um, within population centers. Now, they're going to be more constrained in what they can do um, because they are not in battle spaces. And it does take some expertise to actually operate the drones. But it is something that governments are going to have to take into account. So if you're looking at government's reactions to this, 
you already have uh, the head of CENTCOM uh, talk about drone proliferation being a, I believe he said, most concerning tactical development in the Middle East. Uh, That's a big deal for the U.S. military. What governments are going to do is invest more in technology specifically designed to counter drones, to be able to detect them, to shoot them out of the air, or to intercept them in other ways. And it's not just going to be militaries. Uh, There is the potential for private entities themselves to invest more in counter-drone technology, whether it's to protect themselves from attacks or to prevent themselves from uh, surveillance um, by these drones. And this could especially be important in areas where specific governments may not be able or even willing to provide the type of anti-counter-drone technology that uh, private entities might need. Um, So you could have private investment in this as well. Uh, You're also going to probably have more laws passed by governments to attempt to restrict drone usage. And obviously that's going to vary from country to country and and state to state and region to region. However, if you do have a, a type of high profile drone incident, that's going to put more pressure on governments to actually pass legislation to try to restrict things. Thomas Abihana is a global security analyst for Stratfor. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you, Emily. You can stay up to date on the latest technology with Stratfor Worldview. Sign up for our free newsletter for a sample of what we can do. Go to worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.